Amen. All right, let's open our Bibles back up again to Proverbs chapter number 7. Proverbs and chapter number 7. Been many weeks now already in the book of Proverbs. And um, I'm going to ask you to grab your Bibles and follow along with me. And as we uh, continue through the book of Proverbs. Madison, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. I'm going to ask you to sit right back there if you would in that little right. Right here on this back row needs you. Everybody look this way. Look this way, please. That back row right there needs you. The back row. Thank you so much. You'll sit right there and just you'll be a good help there. And I appreciate that so very, very much. Madison's in big trouble tonight. Uh, no, no, she's going to help me with something and she'll soon understand why. Proverbs in chapter number 7. Proverbs in chapter number 7. And if you'll take your Bibles and turn there with me. Last uh, Wednesday night, we started uh, talking about uh, uh, the subject matter of Proverbs 7 is a strange woman. And uh, as you know from our studies, the the young man, uh, Proverbs is the young man's book, and the young man has two primary enemies. One of those is the strange woman, and the other is the foolish man. And... uh, and uh, so the Bible warns throughout the book of Proverbs, and this won't be the last warning, but Proverbs 7 describes this strange woman to us. And let me say this, so if you go to the last chapter, young ladies, you go to the last chapter of the book of Proverbs, and you'll find that uh, the, uh, the godly, virtuous woman is described. And you take what we, uh, what you learn from Proverbs 31 and contrast it with what you learn in Proverbs chapter 7. And you decide what kind of young lady you want to be. And they are total opposites. And uh, uh, our, our nation, our nation has just about lost all sense of morality. Our nation is, 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 uh, the, 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 uh, the idea that there are no absolutes, there's no absolute right and wrong, infiltrated decades ago. Humanistic philosophy infiltrated our nation. I read this article this morning. This is uh, from the Family Research Council, article published today. This is uh, brand new uh, research. Uh, George Barna did this research through Arizona Christian University. And the question that uh, there's 2,275 respondents in this. And uh, the question was asked, uh, what Americans believe about morality. Uh, young ladies back here, everybody look this way, please. No one look, turn your back. I'm going to ask you to sit right among those two ladies. Just put right yourself between them. Madison, if you don't mind, help me with that. And you girls slide over and make room. That'll help you, that'll help you be able to pay attention. I appreciate that. There's no sense in being at church if you're not going to get anything while you're here. And no sense in it whatsoever. And I, I'm not trying to be ugly and unkind, but oh, how we need God's word in our minds and hearts. And so uh, if you'll just, uh, everybody just help me. Let's get what we came to get tonight. Amen. Father, please uh, direct our minds and hearts now to the truth and settle us now as your people. Uh, Lord, I, I love you. I love your people. And I love your truth. And Lord, if we don't get these truths in our minds and hearts, Lord, the enemy would love to pick us apart and bring destruction into all of our lives. And your word is our safeguard, and it keeps us clean. And so, Lord, please help us to hear it and to receive it. 
uh, and um, and to understand a heart with which is given in Jesus' name, Amen. But listen to this uh, recent just just uh, just published. Um, so the question is this: What Americans? Uh, the subject is what Americans believe about uh, morality. And here was the specific question that was given: What do you believe defines right and wrong? What do you believe defines right and wrong? There was three options, three answers that could be given. One was the morality taught in the Bible. What the Bible teaches is right and wrong. The second was majority rule. And the third, what you feel in your heart. Now keep this in mind. Half of the respondents had already answered affirmatively to this statement, I have traditional moral values. So before I give you the answer, the percentage of those three questions, understand that half of those who responded said, I hold to traditional moral values. All right? So the question was, uh, the question was what... Do you feel, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, what do you believe defines right and wrong? 29% said the Bible. Now keep in mind, (laughs) that means there's a big swath of people who say, I have traditional moral values, but don't believe that those values are defined in the Bible. Another 29% said, whatever the majority decides. In other words, if, if the majority of people think it's okay, uh, you know, uh, to do whatever, then, then it's okay. 42%. And keep in mind that half of these respondents are people who say, I have traditional moral values. 42% said this. It is determined by what you feel in your heart. Now, isn't there a verse in Jeremiah that speaks to that subject? The heart is what? Deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And so uh, our, our, our morals, the morals of our nation are in gross decline. And we all know it. Now... Let's get back to the subject at hand. We started in verse 6 last week. The Bible said, For at the window of my house I looked through my casement and beheld among the simple ones. I discerned among the youths a young man void of understanding. We give the profile of the strange woman just as a quick review. Number one, she's a predator. She is, as we learned last week, she's someone who left the God of her youth, who was taught what was right and wrong, but decided she knew better, and now she wants to take someone down with her. She's a predator. She's looking for someone to take down. Verse 8 said, passing through the street near her corner, and he went the way to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. She's a woman of the night. She's a woman of the night. I can't say it enough, but uh, you ought to keep uh, uh, decent hours. 
You don't have any business being outside of your home late at night without, uh, uh, without supervision. And I said again, uh, uh, the, 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 the day of, you know, we're going to have a slumber party. We're going to stay over the night at someone's house. Parents, I, I beg you, please, I beg you. Those days are over. Those days are over. You say, oh, come on, Pastor. If you sat in my office and heard what I hear in my office, you would shout amen to the top of your lungs. Um, Can I say this? Can I say this? And I'm talking to the church. I'm not talking to people outside the walls. I'm talking to folks sitting in this room. You do not know what goes on in someone else's house. You don't know. And the enemy has so many inroads into our homes. And I just implore you. Now, I understand there may be a circumstance where mom and dad have to be gone. And, and I understand that. Uh, but I'm just thought, let's say, hey, let's go have fun and let's go sleep over. And I just, please, I beg you, I beg you to listen to me on this matter. Uh, uh, kids need to be home. They need to be home with their parents. They need to be in their own beds. And uh, and all that's much safer, much safer. But this strange woman is a woman of the night. <clears throat> Next, verse number 10 said, And behold, there met him a woman with a tire of an harlot. She dresses the part. She dresses the part. Now, you know, it's interesting. It doesn't say here she's a harlot. It says she dresses like a harlot. She's for sale. You say, well, uh, sometimes people, you talk about dressing like you ought to dress. Well, I, how? I dare you insinuate that I'm, uh, I'm for sale. Well, don't dress like you're for sale then. <laughs> If you're not for sale, don't advertise. Amen? I'm not saying everybody that dresses inappropriately is, is somehow advertising themselves uh, and, 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 and is for sale, so to speak. But if that be the case, then don't suggest such. Don't suggest such. Ah, she dresses apart. Now, verse 10. And behold, there met him a woman with a tire and harlot, and here we are. This is a new territory. Subtle of heart. Note that phrase right there. Subtle of heart. What does it mean? The word word subtle means hidden or concealed. It means hidden or concealed. All right. A profile of uh, of the strange woman. She's sneaky. She's sneaky. She hides her true character. We talked about the danger of anonymity two weeks ago when we last taught. And I I, want to ask you again. The word subtle is never used kindly in the Bible. It is, I'm going to tell you the different times that it's used. The first time it's used in the Bible, you probably can think of it. There was a serpent and he was what? More subtle than any beast the word means concealed or hidden. This is the person who hides, who hides things from mom, from dad, from authority, from the teacher. This is a person with hidden motives. And can I tell you something? Listen to me carefully, young men and young ladies, all of us. Purity flows from a pure heart. A heart that it, purity comes from a heart that is pure. You're in a bad place in your life. You you say, I haven't done anything wrong, but you're in a bad place in your life right now if you're not living an open life. 
If you're concealing things from the people who love you and care about you, if you have access to things, you would be mortified if your mom or your dad or somebody that loves you that's in authority picked up and started reading the things you've written. You're already in a dangerous place. The strange woman is is subtle. Can I, can I say this? There, there is nothing so beautiful as innocence. There's nothing any more beautiful than innocence. There's a, there's a lightness of demeanor and, and spirit. There's a free-heartedness, so to speak, a, a lightness of spirit that comes from a pure heart. It comes from being open and having nothing to hide. But when you begin to hide things and you have a little other little place in your life and things going on you don't want the people that love you and keep you accountable to know about, then all of a sudden your subtlety is duplicity. It's it's two things going on at the same time, and you have this one thing. And guess what happens? You get you you get tired trying to keep track of all that. Who's going to find out about this? Who's going to read this? Or who might catch me doing this? And, 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 and then, then you overcompensate in your public life. I'm going to say this. In 27 years of pastoring, I have come to find that sometimes the most immoral people work the hardest to project chastity and purity and and you don't if you're spiritual you don't have to work at it you, you, you if you are if you are overcompensating for a secret life you will actually you will look foolish you're like the kid with cheeto orange fingers and 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 you know, no, I don't. I don't. I don't even like Cheetos. You know, <laughs> but but that's an exhausting way to live. Many times in this over in these years, many times I've sat with folks who wept openly, heaving, sobbing, broken-hearted over sin in their life. And yet, when that grueling and repentance and forgiveness is a grueling process, it is awful. It's terrible. It's like vomiting. It's awful. But just like, forgive me, but just like vomiting, it's such a wonderful thing when it's over. And you don't have that heaviness. You don't have to carry that. And you don't have to play this exhausting game of making sure you behave one way here while you're doing, while you're behaving another way somewhere else. Listen, if you, the most beautiful thing you can be, young people, is pure and innocent and open before God and others with nothing to hide in your life. Now the word subtle is used first of all in Genesis chapter three for the devil. He's more subtle than any beast of the field. Second Corinthians eleven three said the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety. The word guile means deceit. He wooed, he charmed Eve. That's what the strange woman does. Um, Satan came to Eve in Genesis three, and I'm going to I'm going to reword this. I'm not rewriting the Bible, but I want you to listen. 
Here's what he said to Eve. Yea, hath God said, thou shalt not eat of every tree. Eve, is it true that you're not supposed to eat from any of these trees? That's what he said. He, he, God said, there's only one tree God said you can't eat of. And Satan's like, you mean they, he won't let you eat from any of these trees? You see what he's doing? Eve said, well, no, we can eat from all of them, just not this particular one because it's deadly. What? Satan says, surely. Now, it's not deadly. I ate it and it didn't kill me. In fact, I learned a lot about life from eating of this tree. And I can make my own decisions now. And I think that's why God told you not to eat it, because he doesn't trust you to make wise decisions. But I do. Why don't you try it and find out for yourself? Now, you take that little line of reasoning. What? Your parents will let you watch any of this? They won't let you watch anything. Well, yeah, we, I mean, we watch these are good. You know, we just can't watch that. <laughs> what? That won't hurt you. I watched it. It didn't hurt me. I learned some things. Your parents just don't trust you to make wise decisions. What you ought to do is you ought to watch it. Let me tell you something. He's done this since the Garden of Eden. He wants to spoil our innocence. The next time it's used is of Jacob when it says Isaac told Esau, said your brother came with subtlety, pretending to be someone you're not. And, and, and may I say this? May I say this? Uh, 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 Mom and Dad, th- th- there, uh, there are predators. There are predators everywhere. And I'm not, I'm not uh, trying to cause you to live in fear. But you ought to walk. You need wisdom. You need godly wisdom. You need to walk circumspectly. You need to be alert with your eyes open and realize that we're living in a wicked world. And, 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 and you, you be friendly and you be kind. But being friendly and being kind should not equate with trust. And there are people you, with whom you can be kind and you can be friendly but that does not mean you ought to trust. You need to know somebody before you decide to trust your children with them. And I, this happened many, many years ago. But, uh, but uh, there was a gentleman that came to our church, and he's trying to get a, a camping trip together. And, uh, and one of the moms in the church came to me and said, Pastor, uh, do you know about this camping trip? I said, what camping trip? Well, Brother So-and-so wants to get the boys together going on a camping trip. I said, he does. She said, I don't, should I let him go? I said, man, I don't think so. Why don't you let me talk to him? So I talked to him. Come to find out, this 20 plus years ago, come to find out that guy was as rotten to the core. The only time I've ever put my finger in somebody's finger, my finger in someone's face, said, if you ever walk back in the door of this church again, I'll call the police. And that was the time. And he never did. Once in a while, we see him around town on a bicycle and every time we do, my wife or myself say, Girls, you see that man right there? If he ever comes near you, you scream and run away from him as fast as you can. Now, listen, online with the anonymity of being online, people are posing as someone they are not, creating profiles as someone they are not. The uh, uh, L.A. Times created, I told you this a few weeks ago, created several profiles making themselves mock profiles to be somewhere between 13 and 15 years of age. 
and the solicitations from adults came pouring in. We're living in a wicked world, aren't we? It's used by, in 2 Kings 10, 19, Jehu did it in subtlety of heart. He called the prophets of Baal together and said, we're going to have a big feast and celebrate together. And when he got them in there, he killed all of them. Subtlety means hiding your true motives. That's what Amnon did to Tamar. He said, I don't feel good. Can you, you bring something to, to, to my room to settle my, settle my stomach? And when she got there, he shut the door behind her. The accusers of Christ were called subtle in Matthew 26, 3 and 4. They consulted, they may take Jesus by subtlety and kill him. They conspired together to, to deceive. The, uh, it's used by, about Pharaoh in Acts seven nineteen. The same dealt subtly with our kindred and evil and treated our fathers so that they cast out their young children to the end they might not live. Pharaoh told those midwives, he said, go in there. And it didn't work. It didn't work. So he, then he told them to throw them in the river. But the first time he said, go in there and help them. And he said, make sure the boys die. Let the little Israelite girls live and make sure the boys die. The last time it's used is in Acts 13 of Elymas the sorcerer. Paul was uh, witnessing to the, to, to the chief Roman official. In that region, his name was Sergius Paulus, and Sergius was under conviction. He was thinking about Christ, and Elymas was a sorcerer who, who called himself a prophet, but he was he was uh, had satanic power, and he called himself a prophet. And Paul called him out. Uh, Barnabas and, and Paul Paul called him out and said, O fool of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? Look at me. My, my, I just read you all the places in the Bible where you'll find that word subtle or the word subtlety. Never, ever, ever is it used in a positive way. Now, let me, listen to me carefully. He said, well, this is not real bad. Kids, listen to me. If you are hiding stuff, you're already in a bad way, going a bad direction. If you're hiding things from your mom, if you're hiding things from your dad, if you're deleting conversations from your phone, if you're on a a, 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 a social media app that lets you post something and then it disappears, you are already in a bad way. The characteristic of the strange woman... She is a snake. She knows how to present herself one way over here and another way over here. She talks one way to this group of people and she talks another way to this group of people. Look at verse number 11. She is loud. She is loud. Now that's not just talking about volume. That's talking about the spirit of her life. She's boisterous. She can rage. She can sass. She can curse. You know, you know, it used to be in America that you didn't curse in front of the women. Now, quite frankly, in a lot of places, the women curse worse than the men. This woman can get in an uproar. This, listen, the screams and chants of the, of the abortion crowd. My body, my choice, my body, my choice. You know what that is? The Bible said, out of the abundance of the heart and the mouth speaketh. Those rantings come from hearts that are riddled with guilt and turmoil that boil over in loud tones. My, my, my joys. Listen to me roar. 
You're disturbed inside. Why? Pent up guilt. A pure heart produces sweet words that go right along with the Bible's in the New Testament. A meek and a quiet spirit. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that, you know, you should walk around with a piece of duct tape on your mouth. Well, I know a few people who need to, but anyway. But I'm just saying, this, this, this woman's heart can erupt. She is loud, and right with that, verse number 11, she's what? She's stubborn. She's stubborn. Nobody's going to tell me what I can and can't do. Verse Samuel fifteen twenty three says, Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. It's devilish. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. I've, I've taught you this in the last couple of months because the Lord showed it to me. Uh, and, and, and trying to definitively uh, 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 say what iniquity is. And, it, and the Lord gave me the thought. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned what? Everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. So iniquity is going your own way even when it's a good way. That is this, that is this, this uh, brand, brand new research. I have traditional moral values that are defined by what I think in my heart is the right thing to do. <laughs> Can I tell you something? This book right here tells us what's right and wrong. Amen. She's stubborn. She said, I, I'm, I'm going to do what I want to do. The Bible says this is iniquity and idolatry. Stubbornly going my own way. Even I, I may feel like it's a good way. In my heart, I really feel like this is what I ought to do. The Bible calls that on the same level as witchcraft, stubbornness, iniquity, and idolatry. In other words, when a person says, I will do what I want to do, I feel like it's the right thing to do, and I'm going to do it because I feel like it's the right thing to do. The Bible calls that idolatry, which is simply... The worship of self-will. My opinion is what I worship and what I adore. Now, uh, stubbornness <laughs> is probably a struggle for all of God's people because it's bound up in our hearts, is it not? But if you're struggling with stubbornness and want your own way, please consider the end of the strange woman. She was stubborn. She knew what was right, as we read earlier. She was taught right, and she left the God of her youth. And she said, I want this, and I will have it, and I will get it. And she dug in, and that's where it led her. Verse number 11, again, she's loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. Her feet abide not in her house. Number seven. She hates her home. She can't stand being at home. She feels stuck at home. She hates the idea of being a homemaker. She hates the New Testament idea of being a keeper at home, Titus 2, 3, 4, and 5. She bought into the Hollywood ideal that Life begins when you throw off the shackles of domestic life and really go out and get a real life out in the world. 
Now let me say this. We need once more in this, in our nation, desperately needs once more to exalt motherhood, to exalt home and family and being a wife and being a mother. Read Proverbs 31. And if, 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 if what I'm describing to you makes you think of sitting on the couch, uh, eating bonbons and popcorn eight hours a day, then you haven't read Proverbs 31. That woman's a worker. She was buying, she was selling, she was adding to the family income. Uh, she, she, uh, she uh, could uh, cook and she could sew and it, she was, she was busy, but her priority was her home and family. May I say this, young ladies, God may use you in many, many different ways. But God made you. And God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And what the world projects as success, by and large, is the antithesis of what God made you to be. It's the worldly women that rule the television screen and the talk shows, and the news desks, and the commercial spots, and the magazine covers, and the talk shows, and the music labels. And if you consume their content, you too will be dissatisfied with being a keeper at home. I remember years ago, years ago, uh, my wife uh, found an article uh, and, and referenced it. Madonna wouldn't, show her own, wouldn't let her own kids watch her movies. Now, I've never seen a Madonna movie, but uh, uh, Madonna is uh, about halfway between here and Liz Taylor, and we've gone that at least that far, uh, again, in the wrong direction. How many, many people in our society have bought into this idea that the home and the family are secondary. And if you really want to live, then uh, you got to go out and have a career, make a lot of money, and uh, wait till you're 35 years old before you have a kid because kids are expensive. And if you have too many, just have them boarded. And can I tell you something? That's an empty life. That's an empty life. Young ladies, listen to me. God may use you in many different ways. God may give you some talent and some ability. God, God may use you to make lots of money. But you will never do anything greater than your, with your life than to be the woman that God's called you to be, to organize a home, to love your husband, to rear your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. There's nothing greater you can do with your life. Look at verse number 13. Let's back up again for start verse 11. She is loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. Now is she without, now in the streets, and lieth and wait at every corner. So she caught him and kissed him, and with an impudent face, that means shameless, with an impudent face, said unto him, I have peace offerings with me. This day have I paid my vows. Therefore came I forth to meet thee diligently to seek thy face, and I have found thee. Almost sounds spiritual, doesn't she? 
And I've decked my bed with coverings of tapestry, with carved works, with fine linen. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love into the morning. Let us solace ourselves with love for the good man is not at home. He has gone on a long journey, hath taken a bag of money with him, and will come home at the day appointed with her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. This girl, listen, look at me. This girl is shamelessly improper. What did she do? She caught him. This girl's a flirt. This girl is boy crazy. She caught him. Let me say this. Let me say this. A good girl will keep her hands off the boys. A good girl will keep her hands off the boys. By the way, a good boy will keep his hands off the girls because he respects her. The Bible said she caught him and she kissed him. Hey, young men, young ladies, you want to really set yourself apart. You save your kiss till you're married. Pastor, really? Isn't this interesting? She caught him and she kissed him. Uh, We read those verses pretty quickly. But it didn't stop with a kiss, did it? It didn't stop with a kiss. And let me tell you something. It won't stop with a kiss for you either. Amen, Pastor. Thank you for those amens. The word impudent means shameless. With an impudent face. Shameless. Jeremiah twice, Jeremiah 6.15 and Jeremiah 8.12 uses these words, they were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. She spoke seductively, she spoke suggestively, she dressed seductively and suggestively. She's a talker. She's She's a sweet talker. Look at verse 21. With her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips. Flattery is insincere praise. Again, she's looking for the simple. She's lo- Listen, and this goes, this goes both ways. You, you young girls, listen to me. The wrong kind of guy wants a good girl. <laughs> wants a good girl. And by the way, if, you, if you're going to be one of those young men and go out here and do whatever you want to do, don't come waltzing in one day and pick one of the best girls. Pick one of the best girls who kept herself. But she flatters, the Bible says in verse 21. She flatters. That's insincere praise. She she says stuff like, you know, I need a good man like you. You make me want to be a better person. You're so wise. You're a godly man. I need a man like you in my life. Let me help you. If you want the right kind of boy, the right kind of girl then you be the right kind of boy and be the right kind of girl. Godly young men and women are very careful with their words. They're careful with their clothing. They're careful with their decorum, the way they carry themselves. Young ladies, you ought to be careful with your words. Careful with your, the way you conduct yourself, you carry yourself around men. Careful with your clothing. This world, uh, in the Bible, God made man to lead the home. And uh, I understand that's not politically correct and probably 
bigoted and a bunch of other stuff. But God made man to be the head of his house, Ephesians chapter 5. And he made the woman to submit to her husband and follow him. That means, girls, you better find a man who can lead you spiritually. You will be exhausted if you marry a man that you and, and, and you battle the rest of your life wanting to be led spiritually. And you're either going to do one or two things. You're going to be discontent your whole life or you're going to usurp authority and try to lead your husband. And neither one of them will make you a happy wife. So find a young man that can lead you. Amen? That loves God, loves the Lord, is headed the way, and then get behind him. Now that means this. Don't, don't, do not get caught up in this, this shameless world and conversation and decorum. Girls, you don't lead the, you do, you don't lead the relationship. Okay, let me help you. Girls, you should not text the boys. All right, let me try that again. Girls, you should not text the boys. <laughs> you should not message the boys. Friendly? Yes. Forward? No. Friendly? Guardedly friendly? Yes. Flirtatious? No. Listen, if you, if you will be the aggressor, listen, if you will be the aggressor and say the things that catch a boy's attention and flit around him in a way to get his attention or dress in the way to get his attention, you will catch him probably, but you won't like him after you caught him. Because you'll find out someone can flit better than you can flit. And someone will go a little more edgy than you're willing to go. And someone else is willing to push the line further than you want to push the line. What you better do is rejoice that God has given you a home and a family, a church family, and someone that's taught you what's right, and you ought to embrace innocence and embrace purity and embrace chastity. Listen, we have in our Christian circles right now, listen to me, in our Christian circles right now, we have a segment of our Christian circles who want to be able to walk out in the world without being clearly defined as a dedicated Christian consecrated to Jesus Christ. Because that would be kind of like embarrassing, you know? Much of Christianity today, just by the words, the lingo, the decorum, the conversation, is not decidedly consecrated to Jesus Christ as sort of like, oh, wow, you know, you're awesome. You're kind of like us. You're... I could get into your kind of Christianity. I'm talking about the lost world. I could get into your kind of Christianity. Yeah, I like y'all's music. <laughs> May I remind you that we are called to be God's peculiar people. 
And somewhere along the line, you've got to fall in love with Jesus enough and fall in love with this book and with truth and with righteousness and holiness to say, hey, listen, I don't plan to fit in with this world. I don't need to fit in with this world. I, am, I belong to Jesus Christ. Amen. And I want the world to know. Last few things. We read the verses 16 through 19. I've decked my bed. I've perfumed my bed. Come. She has, number nine, she has no respect for marriage vows. She has no respect for marriage vows. Listen, Hollywood glamorizes whoremongers. Hollywood glamorizes immorality and indecency. A ring on someone's hands used to mean hands off. But to many today, it's a challenge. Like a, like a deer hunter putting his trophy on the wall. The strange woman is a destroyer. Look at verse 25. Let not thine heart decline to her ways. Go not astray, for she hath cast down many wounded. Yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Did, look, did it ever dawn on you that if somebody will be unfaithful with you, they'll be unfaithful with someone else. You know, well, we just we just love each other. We, you know. Don't put your marriage at risk. If you right now, listen very carefully, if you right now are communicating with a person that you cannot be completely open about that communication, then you ought to cut it off immediately. Amen. The first time anything inappropriate has said, you ought to cut that thing off. Amen. Delete, defriend, whatever. The strange woman has no respect for marriage vows. She's a destroyer. She destroys marriages, reputations. She destroys ministries. She destroys children's lives, their security, their financial security, their emotional security. And she doesn't stop at one. Many, the verse said, are wounded and many are slain. In Proverbs chapter 5, let me give you the last one. Flip over to Proverbs chapter 5 and we're going to be done with this. Bible said in verse number three, the lips of a strange woman drop as in honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil, but her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps take hold on hell. Here's the last thing. The devil sent her. The devil sent her. She's an ambassador of hell. Her steps take hold on hell. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell. The devil sent her. Now let me say this. And everyone, I say this soberly, but the finest Christians among us tonight, listen to me carefully, most dedicated Christians, every, every, single, every single family in this room, we ought to remember there's a real devil who would like to put his crosshairs on our home and on our kids, and we cannot afford to be prayerless. We cannot be, afford to be casual about our church attendance. We cannot afford to be ca- casual and careless about uh, the influences we allow in our home. There's a real devil, and he's targeting our home, our families, our marriages, and our kids. Amen? Yes. Mom and Dad, 
Build your life around the Word of God in the local church. Build your life around this book and the local church. Keep your kids busy in church, in the things of God. Be a parent to them. Teach them. Train them. Have rules. Enforce them. Know where your children are. Insist on respect in your home. Use biblical discipline. You say, well, I didn't, I, I was never disciplined. Get past that and use biblical discipline. Enforce curfews. Tell them no. Take the rule over their friendships. You, mom and dad, you have to be the one to say, I'm sorry, that's not a healthy friendship. Make alliances with godly leaders. Your kids' Sunday school teacher, their school teachers, the youth workers, make alliances with them. You're the mom, you're the dad, you will answer to God. No one can do that job for you. But let me tell you something. The people that are sincere and honest and love God and love your kids and want to help them do right, work together with them, make alliances with them. Mom and dad, if you need to, you need to clean up your own life. If you're not living a clean life, it won't do you any good to try to do any of these other things. Teach them propriety. Moms, you've got... You've got to be the one to talk to your girls. Our kids need to be taught the body is sacred. It is the temple of the Holy Ghost. It should not ever be indecent. It should not be mishandled. Your body is sacred. Young ladies, your body is sacred. If if a boy tries to put his hand on your body, you take your shoe off your foot and you whack him across the head with it. Boys, show respect. Be decent. Dads, you're going to have to talk to your boys. Dad, you need to talk to your boys. You need to talk. Dad, you, your boys got to be able to ask questions to somebody. You, what do you want him to do? Ask questions to another seventh grade boy on the back of the bus? You want him to go on TikTok and find out? You want them to go. Godly parents have got to raise those children. Godly moms talking to the girls. Godly dads. You say, well, my dad never talked to me. Okay, how about you build on what you had and make it even better for your kids? Young people. Make up your mind. How many of you are saved? Raise your hand if you're saved. You're born again. Okay. So the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, right? Make up your mind that you are going to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to live by this book right here. You're going to be decent and holy and clean and pure and not be ashamed. Not be ashamed. And may I say this, I, I, in this in this youth group, you know what this youth group at, at Bailey's Grove Baptist Church needs right now? It needs a group of young men who will bind together, love each other and pray for each other and encourage each other in holiness and righteousness. And care enough to say to one another, hey man, knock that off. What are you doing? We don't talk like that. Hey man, come on. 
What are you doing? We need some young ladies who have some courage. Some young ladies who will say, hey, we're in church. Stop. We're in church. There's something going on up there, okay? He said, well, I keep on. Sit somewhere else. <laughs> you, you, you will hear things in an old-fashioned fundamental Baptist church that 90% of the rest of the country won't hear anymore. That, 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 ah, that things our children are dealing with, the things that are in the public conversation, you don't even want to talk about them public. They're so sordid. We as God's people should stick right with this book right here. And if the world continues like a freight train to go down the tracks the wrong direction, we still ought to be right here where this book is and nowhere else. He said, that, that, I, I, feel, I feel peculiar. <laughs> Embrace it. Amen. Embrace it. Amen. I'm a C. I'm a C-H. I'm a C-H-R-S-T-I-N. We sing at chapel today. Amen. I'm a child of God. Get your eyes off the world. And what the world glamorizes. And just decide I'm going to be a decent, clean, dedicated, godly, pure young man and pure young lady. And let me tell you something. You know what you'll do if you'll do that? If you'll be the right kind of young man, be the right kind of young lady, God will will bring the right one to you. And you can spend your life. And it's a very, very fulfilling, wonderful life. You can spend your life helping those that have been broken by sin. And it really is a wonderful life. Let's stand together.